Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are, and you should know who this is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And guys, this week we're going to talk about what to do when you start getting when you start hearing advice from your cab driver, from the the waiter at the restaurant. It's time to start really paying attention to what's going on in market cycles because I think what's going on right now is we've got ourselves a bit of a cycle fixing to happen. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard that the Federal Reserve has finally decided that inflation is not transitory and it's kind of, well, they're never going to admit it's here to stay. So we, we can just toss that idea out. But they're at least admitting that inflation is a problem, that they're, they're a little concerned by it. But you listen to the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's speeches watches watches mannerisms he licks his lips a lot when he's nervous he's he's twitchy he's a mess he's he's not doing good president biden he's he's having a tough time too i watched his speech on uh i think it was wednesday or tuesday or wednesday and uh he doesn't really kind of know what's going on it seems like to me it's kind of terrifying but is what it is right i mean <laughs> whatever um his answer to everything was it's the other guy's fault it's it's trump's fault it's uh bush's fault it's Putin's fault. It's everybody's fault, right? Everybody, I guess all these, all these politicians, president, congressman, you know, the Democrats blame the Republicans, the Republicans blame the Democrats, yada, yada, yada. That's why nothing ever gets done. I, I get it. It's just how it is. That's why I'm not a political person. And uh, I've just basically thrown in the towel on the whole thing. But at the end of the day, guys, a lot of things going on that you need to be paying attention to. Um, I can't remember. So here's how things are supposed to work. Okay. First of all, if gold and silver is not performing well, that generally tells you that the stock market is performing well, um, in most cycles and that the inverse is true. If the stock market is down, gold and silver usually will respond and start going up. But, um, and crypto is in the family too, right? Crypto goes one way. Uh, and then other things go the other direction. So usually one market has an inflection point on another market. So that's why I watch several different markets. Now, Jill and I have got ourselves somewhat diversified. We've got some Bitcoin, precious metal, real estate, obviously, mortgage notes, all that good stuff. So we've got several different investment vehicles out there because nobody, you really can't tell what's going to work guaranteed every time. I mean, real estate's probably the best bet for the long haul, which is why we have long-term investment assets, but markets are volatile. Right now, uh, the Fed has decided, Jerome Powell has decided that it's time to raise interest rates. Well, welcome to the show, Uncle Jerome. Glad you could join us. Yes, uh, we have un unbelievable inflation. And no, guys, I don't care what news cycle you pay attention to, the CPI did not really go down. The part that they're sharing with you is smoke and mirrors. You need to go look at the charts and what the charts reference, what they're showing. Um, the reality of it is, is that it's getting worse. It's getting a lot worse. And as we've seen, based on listening to the president, the politicians, the news anchor, nobody knows what the hell to do to fix it. So it's got a lot of folks freaked out. I, my listings, I got more, I put my realtor hat on. My phone has been blowing up. Uh, I got people in Tampa wanting to sell their properties. Hey, good for me. I got list. I got all kinds of listings coming up in the, in the Pinellas County area and Pasco County, uh, from, Friends of mine, people I know, real estate investors are panicking and selling their properties. Others aren't panicking. They just are recapitalizing to see it, uh, turns in other markets. I have one guy. He's a crypto guy. And right now, it's it's definitely the buying culture is out there. If you're into crypto, 
Um, the crypto's low right now. It's in the it's below twenty. It's below thirty thousand. I know that. Uh, I mean, and what's funny is I one of the times I bought, I was looking at my Coinbase account. I bought some when it was at sixty. I bought it when it was at seventeen. It's all different things. I guess you can call it dollar cost averaging, maybe. But I, I'm not giving myself any credit for being smart. I have no idea what I was doing with crypto. I was just playing around to see what I could do. Nonetheless, uh, crypto is. If you are buying, if you're a believer in buying the dip, and I don't, I'm not giving you investment advice here. So, um, because I don't know diddly pop about about crypto, I just have a little bit enough money in there that I'm not more than I'm. I don't have more in than I'm willing to lose. Let's put it that way. But this guy is selling off his real estate so he can buy more crypto because crypto's on sale right now. I know people that are waiting, and 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 I'm one of them waiting for things to start spiraling downward in the real estate space. That's why Mike and I started a real estate fund. And that's why we're actively raising cash, cash capital to go out and do deals. And you want to get started in that, or you want to talk to us more about that. You need to go to keywestcashflow.com. I'm waiting for blood in the streets. I don't think blood is quite in the streets yet in the real estate space. It will be. It's only a matter of time when it happens. Nobody's really going to know because here's the thing, guys, nobody can successfully time the market until after it's in recovery. Know that. So when things slide down, nobody really knows where the bottom is. So when you say time the market, it, it doesn't, you, you're not going to be able to, you, you would be complete luck if you nail the bottom of the market. But I can tell you a lot of the things that are going to shift buyer sentiment are going to have a reaction. Here's, here's one thing I know for sure. If you own multifamily real estate right now, um, I don't think you're going to have to worry about buyers freaking out. I think they're going to freak out to your advantage. Frankly, I, I think that people are going to panic from wall street. They're going to panic out of crypto if they can, and they're going to want to dump whatever cash they have reserves available into something they feel is more solid. So if that's real estate, then real estate buying pressure is going to increase. So if you're a person selling real estate, you're going to be in great shape. That said, you've got to look at the whole enchilada here. And this is why, this is one of the benefits, guys, of investing in a fund. This is why Mike and I did a, put together a fund. This is what Mike and I do every day is we're watching market cycles. We're watching opportunity. I'm in the streets listening to the sound of what's going on out in the world, watching rent affordability become an issue, watching travel patterns. You see down here in Key West, I've got access to all the travel data through the Chamber of Commerce so I can see travel trends before they even come true. We know how many people are booking airline flights, where they're coming from. We know what, whether, how long they're staying, all that data, all those data points in the city of Key West anywhere anyway is, is available. And there's lots of data out there at your fingertips. You just got to know where to go looking for it. I'd start with your local chamber of commerce. First of all, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who knows another guy who just bought a duplex and, Man, he got he was proud of it. He he paid a, a good nut for this duplex, uh, about four hundred and a little over four hundred grand for this duplex. And when he was telling my friend about the deal, he's all excited and he think he he says, Hey, he goes, I took bigger pockets advice. Brandon told me everything's a great deal if you buy it at the one percent rule. Well, I don't think that's exactly what Brandon said. Uh, I know Brandon, I've been following him for a long time. I've met him a couple of times at conferences and whatnot. He could, seems like a good dude, and he's definitely not stupid. He's a smart guy. Um, so that's not exactly what Brandon said. What, what we tend to do is we take what we want to hear out of things. We take segments out of what we want to hear, and then we go and run with it. Like, oh, 1% rule. 
Well, that's just one factor, and that's just a checkpoint. That's all it is. That's not decided to be really designed to be used as a decision, a sole decision-making thing. So if the realtor tells you, and, and understand, guys, realtors are going to paint a picture, a very rosy picture of rental futures. Everyone does it. You know, it's an estimate, right? You should be doing your own due diligence. You should be going on places like Rentometer, maybe getting access to the MLS through your realtor. Have them show you rent comps. I'd be on Craigslist. I'd be looking at Facebook ads and, and Facebook rental groups and things like that. So you are clear on what the income is. And in this case, I look, went back and looked at the listing in the MLS. And in the MLS listing, it says that the expected rent uh, is 1500 and 1200 there. It's a three, one and a two, one and the duplex. So that's 2,700 bucks, right? 2,700 bucks rent. Well, I dug in a little farther and I noticed that he has a $315,000 mortgage. He just closed on the property. He's got a $315,000 mortgage. So I did a quick amortization on that. I threw in about a four and a half percent interest rate, which is since he just closed like a week ago, that's probably accurate about four and a half percent. If that's true and it's four and a half percent, and I'm assuming it's a 30 year amortization, it said uh, conventional, uh, that means $1,596 principal and interest, give or take, right? Depending on where the interest rate is. Uh, another $281 in insurance probably, or I'm sorry, in taxes. So 281 in taxes. And now you still have property manager, maintenance, you know, fixing things, cleaning, you're going to have some vacancy loss in there. And I know the market's hot and people never leave and they, you know, you'll rent a place in a minute, but understand this one guy moves out and I don't know, he trashes the place or he had a dog that peed on the carpet. It's going to, you're not going to get a carpet guy out there in an hour and a half to change the carpet. It may take you a couple of days uh, down here in Key West. It may take you a few weeks. I mean, I had to have a back porch done here in Key West and it took like three months for me to get someone to show up because the job was too small. They didn't want it. And I certainly wasn't going to do it myself. So I had to just wait it out, right? So you know that when you invest in a market, you need to understand what you're working with. That's why when we pick contractors down here in Key West and in other markets, we make sure those contractors, one of the things I want to know is how many jobs do they have open right now? How well do they pay their people? I want to talk to some of those guys and see, are they just hiring the rent of drunks, whatnot? Because contractor, we've talked about that a hundred times on the show, a contractor can wipe you out in a heartbeat, not because they overcharge you, just because they do a crappy job or they don't show up on time. Let's get back to the numbers. Uh, the Assuming that the the principal taxes and insurance runs you about $1,877 a month, if we're going off the expected rent figure, uh, that's skinny. And keep in mind, we haven't factored in all the rest of the expenses, the things like water heaters blowing out. Um, you take that seven hundred fifty bucks for a water heater. You divide that by twelve. That's how much per month that'll that'll shave off of your thing. So what Jill and I do, and what Mike does, is we front load our repairs. Like when we take an asset under contract and go close on it, we ask ourselves, okay, what is the stuff that's going to break when it's inconvenient on Saturday night or Christmas day when the plumber wants a thousand bucks to put on his pants and go out and sort out the issue? These are the things that you want to make sure that you take care of up front now. Brandon Turner, who I've heard talk about the 1% rule, I don't believe necessarily believe in a 1% rule per se, but whatever, I'm more of a 1.5% hurdle rate guy, that's me, but I, you know, market is what it is. Brandon also said that you have to make sure, number one, that you're using accurate data and that you're taking rent amounts that make sense. Here's what I mean by that. Apparently, this guy went on to tell my friend that, Oh, the realtor said I can get $2,500 per apartment. 
It's like, wait a minute, $2,500 for apartment. I know the neighborhood this property is in. I know it well. I've sold lots of houses in that neighborhood over the years. It's in St. Pete uh, near, near the Pinellas Park area. You're never, you're not going to see $2,500. I don't care how hot things are in the market, boys and girls. $2,500 a month for a two bedroom. It's not going to, that dog is not going to hunt in that neighborhood in St. Pete. It's just not, it's just not going to work. Now, will it someday? Probably because there seems like rent, rent prices are out of control, but it's not that way now. So you really can't use data that's for some time off in the future. Now, maybe if you put a pool out back and it, you picked up the building, you moved it out to the ocean and you put a beach behind it. Yeah. It'd bring 2,500 all day long. You put it in Key West, you can't rent anything for 2,500. The minimum you can rent something for is three grand a month in Key West. No doubt. So, uh, I know because I pay three grand a month and the rent here has gone up by like $800 over the last year, the 44% rent jump in Key West in the last 12 months. That's kind of crazy. If you think about it, nonetheless, this neighborhood does, I've looked, I just recently today before this podcast went, looked it up to see what other places are renting for. Yes, there's availability of other places. No, they are not anywhere near 2,500, which means the realtors guess the pie in the sky estimate for what the income could be is not accurate. And what happens when you when that is the case and you take that advice without doing your own independent due diligence, you're making buy decisions. You're using the 1% rule based on bogus data. You can't factor 1% of a fake rent amount because it, the property does not, does not generate $5,000 a month. It generates $2,700 a month, which means... You really can't pay 420 for this thing, 420 grand, and eke out this windfall profit. Here's why: a storm comes through and a tree falls down and knocks it knocks your roof, and you got a five thousand dollar insurance deductible for wind coverage. Well, there's five grand that comes out of that cash flow. So, if your cash flow is a couple hundred dollars a month, and suddenly a five thousand dollar bill comes up, well, that's wiped out at least a year, if not two, of cash flow in many cases. Uh, that's painful. And that's only if you've got serious cash flow. If you don't have, you know, if you've got less than $500 cash flow on a deal and you get a $5,000 bill, well, guys, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, it's going to take you a while to, to accrue that off, which means you're going to get no cash flow because you're going to use that profit or worse, you're going to go into debt to take care of that. And that's, you can't do deals like that guys and expect to ever achieve financial freedom. And I know a lot of folks out there are buying based on appreciation. Well, I don't need the cash flow. I don't know. I can't believe anybody says that, but they do. I don't need the cash flow. I just want to appreciate. Well, the problem is that's cool right up until you don't. So let's say you buy the house. You're only banking on appreciation. It's literally costing you money every month or making you cash flow that's so small it's not worth talking about. And then a water heater blows out. And then you have a problem with the roof. Well, now you you are actually upside down in the rental, which means that you're actually helping them you're helping provide someone a place to live. You're paying their bills for them, really, because they're the ones getting the enjoyment out of the house, and it certainly isn't you. You're negative in the house, but you're like, but I got equity. Well, you don't have equity until you sell it, okay? You don't. And this this is what got people in the housing crash, boys and girls. People went out and did adjustable rate loans uh, during the housing, last housing crash that we had. I saw this coming. I didn't see the crash coming, but I could see how the loans started modifying Right before the big poof, everybody was doing, they were doing teaser rates because things were getting unaffordable. So the lenders all got together and decided to start doing adjustable rate loans. They would, they would bring you in at a teaser rate, say, I don't know, 
four and a half percent. And they would lock that for, I don't know, 18 months. And then they would tie it to the cost of funds or to the consumer price index with a cap of like, I don't know, eight and a half percent, let's say. And then what happens is shit happens. (laughs) And the government tries to step in and help. And we all know how that works out. Then things go skyrocket. Next thing you know, you started out with an $1,800 mortgage payment. You have a $5,000 mortgage payment. And I'm just throwing rough numbers out there, guys. 1877 was based on four and a half percent, but that payment on eight thousand dollars or on eight percent interest gets stupid real fast. I mean, you you want to spend some money? There you go. You're going to spend a fortune. Uh, and then how are you supposed to cover that debt service, right? If you don't have the income, because remember, a realtor chick said it was twenty five hundred dollars aside. That's five grand. The problem is the tenants in the neighborhood either don't agree or can't afford it. Whichever one it is, what it really means is it's not going to work. You're not going to pull it off, which means you're going to be very, very disappointed and probably very, very broke if that continues. Well, you got to be cognizant of this stuff, guys. You can't keep believing everything you're told. You got to take it for what it's worth. In this case, if that interest rate went up to eight and a half percent, which is highly possible, I'll tell you in a second how I know that the, um, the debt service payment goes from 1877 to 2422. Well, guys, that's a big chunk. I mean, that's a huge chunk. That's like six, almost $600 difference in price. And remember I said you were cash flowing 500 with an adjustable rate. Now you're cash flowing your negative cash flow. And that's before you have a boo-boo. That's just the interest rate adjusting. And that's before your water heater blows up or let true tree lands on your roof or some tenant slips and falls and I don't know, chips their tooth and breaks a window. And, you know, whatever it is, it is. But that's when, when life happens, there's no profit in the deal for you to cover that stuff. So guess who pays that bill? The answer is uh, you, you're going to pay the bill. You're going to pay dearly. But, but Tyler, I don't have any disposable income because I bought four of these deals because the bank kept lending me money. See where I'm going with this? This is why a lot of people are doing things like investing in funds because instead you're, you're, you're allowing me to go out and negotiate on your behalf. Chances are, and I don't mean to sound cocky, but I'm just going to say this. I'm a better negotiator than most people you can probably think of. I get better deals done than most deep people that you can, that you know, I, that's a fact because you know what, why I know this, I review tons of deals every day, all these different syndicates, all these different uh, wholesaler deals. I see all kinds of stuff that's closing. I have friends that own title companies. I see all these transactions closing. I have friends that are real estate attorneys. Sean Yesner, yesnerlaw.com. If you're in the Tampa Bay area, I was just talking to Sean today. He's representing my daughter in a situation. But um, you, you got you to know what the heck's going on. You got to realize that just because somebody else is getting ready to do a deal doesn't mean you need to do a deal, okay? Instead, focus on doing a good deal. And this whole adage about it, that I had a real estate coach once that told me, you do your first deal for experience and your next rest of your deals for profit. That's a fast trip to bankruptcy, by the way. Now, I unfortunately learned that lesson the hard way many years ago when I was flipping houses. Um, but you don't do deals, just bad deals, just to get experience on how to do, how to, to unscrew yourself up. That doesn't make sense, guys. I actually know somebody does that. Literally goes out and does bad deals, knowing they're bad deals so that they can build rapport with the, with the players. That's not logical. It doesn't make sense. Don't do that. That's dumb. That's how you go broke. Please don't do that. Instead, consider putting it with a fund. There's several different funds out there these days, but make sure you understand the players who's in the fund. Who are the sponsors? 
What's their criteria? What is their background? How, 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 what, how do you know they're going to be able to do a good deal? Have you been following them for a while? Have you looked at their social media? Have you listened to, they have put out content? Maybe they have a YouTube channel. Well, you can go like, for example, meet Kevin. Meet Kevin's a guy that's got a fund. Meet Kevin clearly knows what he's doing in real estate. He also knows what he's doing in the stock market. He's kind of brilliant, right? He's got a fund going to be opening up soon. I probably shouldn't tell you that because then you won't invest in our fund. But anyway, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in abundance. He's a young guy that's learned a lot in a short amount of time. He's made some mistakes, admittedly. We all have. I've made treacherous mistakes. I've lost money. I've done dumb stuff. I still, still sometimes still, still do dumb stuff. Bottom line is we learn from the mistakes. We're out there making mistakes, but it makes us more experienced. So in a lot of cases, guys, you're safer putting your money in someone else's deal if the operator has got their act together. And I've told you a hundred times over the years how to, how to vet them. Get them on the phone. Ask tough questions. Hey, we get tough questions all the time in the fund. All the time people are calling up and they want to know. We talk to CPAs. We've talked to attorneys. We, we talk to all kinds of different people that are very experienced. They're well-versed in their game. Um, and they ask, they ask deep questions. And we just answer them honestly because here's the deal. We know what the hell we're talking about. We know what we're doing. And we don't go out and do dumb deals. And a good syndicator won't be a, won't be shy about backing out of a deal if something changes that will have a severe impact on the outcome of the profitability of that deal. That said, know this, and I hear Mauricio Raul talk about this a lot, and I love that guy. He does a great job with educating syndicators. Mauricio has said that he's seen an epidemic of guys out there that are doing deals to basically get the the um, the fees, right? The, what do you call it? The um, acquisition fees. So they're out there. Basically it's like playing realtor, right? They're going out there and they're going to make their two, 3% or whatever it is. And that's what keeps them afloat and they get their expenses covered and whatnot. So they can go out there and roll the dice. That's not how the game is played guys. Uh, first of all, make sure that your syndicators are putting their own money in the deal. That's important. And I was against that for many, many years. I didn't want to put my own money in the deals. And I realized that it, how important it is when I started investing in other people's deals with my money, then I said, oh, you know what? That's probably bad advice. I should probably start telling people they need to make sure that that person that they're working with has some skin in the game, has something to lose, whether it be a flip or a syndicate or whatever. Make sure everybody's got something invested in the deal. Mike and I have well into the six figures invested in our company and our syndicate, getting things up and running, marketing expenses, whatnot. Uh, so we're not out here just writing checks like we got blank checks or like Jerome Powell, that money printing machine you guys see him on Facebook. So at the end of the day, guys, you know, when you do the math, the other thing you got to think about with these rentals is affordability. I want to say that before we wrap up this week's show. I know the realtor said 2,500 to side, yada, yada, yada. But the next question is, will the ideal tenant for that property be able to afford that? Here's what I mean. I have people call me all the time about buying houses in Key West and turning them into rentals. And that's all fine and dandy and whatnot. But understand this, the city is not pleased about that situation, so you have to be smart about it when you do it. And by smart, I don't mean dodging around the law, but they're going to be changing some of the regulations here that if you are not appropriately licensed, they're going to block you from renting short-term. You're going to only be able to probably do a, a 90-day or longer stay so that the vacationers are, are not competing as much with the residents because right now there's no place for people to live. Uh, we just met our landlords for the first time today. We're renting down here, Jill and I, and they're very pleasant people and I love spending some time with them. They live out of state. Fortunately, we're good. We don't, hopefully we don't have to move 
that's I was a little nervous about that going into the meeting, but they just wanted to meet us because they have never met us before. And we've lived here for, lived in, in their house now for six months, I think. And we never met them. That said, um, there's a housing crisis going on down here. And primarily it's an affordability crisis. Now people will say, that's great. I'll just keep raising the rent. They'll figure it out. Yes, they will to a certain point, but everything has its limit, right? Because what you, what you find is that now you have a bunch of people uh, being roommates. So my place, it's a two bedroom townhome. It's about 900 to 800, 900 square foot. I'm over in the Key West golf course, right? So my wife and I live here very comfortably. We have a spare bedroom. We have f- friends come in from out of town. Mike comes in and stays in there. It's got its own bathroom. We have two and a half bathrooms. It's decent for two. It's in good condition. It's very nice. It's in a very nice community, a gated community, all that. But there are situations here in town where there are 15 people sharing the same size apartment, townhome or whatever. That's crazy. Now, it's unfortunate that people have to live like that. But you have to, as a landlord, you or somebody that's investing in a deal that's got rental property involved, you got to make sure that whoever you're dealing with is qualifying the tenants. Because if, they're, if this is a long-term non-vacation rental type of arrangement, you can get in, in hot water when you think it's going to be $5,000 a month in income coming in. And come to find out, the only people that can, quote-unquote, tongue-in-cheek, afford $5,000 is somebody like some stripper who's paying you out of her G-string. That That's dangerous. That's why you don't, probably shouldn't ever rent to strippers, but you didn't hear me say that. Um, my point is this, is that if you got to know the affordability of the tenants. In that case, in that neighborhood, people cannot afford, in that neighborhood, it's called the Harshaw neighborhood of St. Pete, people cannot afford, the average person, the average person is going to stay in a two-bedroom apartment, can't financially swing $2,500 a month. It's not easy for them, which means could potentially mean you got vacancy issues and you're like, Oh, it's fine. Tyler, I'll get somebody else in there the next day. Wrong. You're going to have to clean the place. You're going to have to probably clean the carpets, vacuum them. They're going to break something. You're going to have to fix it. It's going to cost you money. So what does that mean? The sum total here is you got to figure out what's their income amount. First of all, what do they bring home? Not their gross, their net. Okay. Now I know there's a lot of different formulas out there, but I'm giving you the formula that I've used for 22 years that's kept Tyler out of hot water. And I've never had to evict anybody outside of the city of Memphis. City of Memphis, yeah, we evicted people every hour. It was the nature of the beast in Memphis. But outside of Memphis, I can tell you I've never had to evict any of my tenants anywhere in the state of Florida. Uh, yeah, I should say that because I have in other states. But <laughs> anywhere in the state of Florida, if I was managing the property and controlling who's coming in, I've never had to evict anybody. And guys, I've had a lot of tenants over the years. That begins because I'm qualifying my tenants. They have to net, bring home pay after taxes three times the rent. So if my rent is $1,000, they need to be able to make $3,000 if it's my rent's, you know, you got to understand what they can afford and you start with what's your rent going to be. So if their rent, if, you're, if your rent's going to be $1,200, then three times that means they need to clear $3,600 a month which means they need to make $43,000 a year. Well, if you're a, a teacher, brand new starting teacher, and you're in Key West, you can't afford to live anywhere in Key West because you make forty three grand, and there's nothing here to rent for $1,200. So, can't do it. You're going to have to do public assistance or public housing. If you're a landlord, you need to be, if you're, and your rent's three grand and the tenant makes $3,600, that's called a clue that you're going to have problems. You're going to get... You're going to have evictions. You're going to have a squatter. You're going to have damage. You're going to feel sorry for them. Whatever it may be, it all equals you losing money. So don't do that. 
if the tenant makes, I mean, let's say if your rent's $1,500, then it's 45. You see where I'm going with this. You take your rent, you multiply it by three, and that's what they need to break in and make in. So if your rent is $2,500 a month, the occupant that is renting the place needs to make 90 grand a year. Bring home. Well, if taxes are, say, 40% of that, you do the math, that's over six figures a year, which means you're renting to somebody who's kind of mass affluent. If your rent's 2,500, but how many of you listen to the sound of my voice are renting to someone who waits tables for a living? And no disrespect to the people that are service workers and are not paid well. My point is, as a landlord, you're enabling them to fail. You're going to put them into poverty. So I don't suggest that you drop your rates and go negative or or lose money in the deal. Just don't rent to people that can't afford it. And you're going to fix a lot of problems right away. Okay, guys. So I hope you found some value there and I hope you don't get caught up in these deals and buy too much asset and overshoot your projections, guys. I'm telling you, underwriting can kill you if you're not, if you're not paying attention, you don't know what you're doing. Don't assume, don't believe what the broker says about rents. Don't ever take the broker's advice or the seller's advice or the wholesaler's advice on what a property will bring for rent. You have to know who you're renting to. You have to know the affordability chart and the cycle, how much they're going to make. That information is absolutely paramount to keeping you out of foreclosure or bankruptcy even worse. Just don't do it. Don't go down that road, guys. As I always say, it can can be, will be, you decide an amazing 2022. That starts by taking massive action. If you're a accredited investor, we'd love for you to join us over at keywestcashflow.com. We got all kinds of exciting stuff coming up this year. We got deals we're working. We got different different strategies that we're going to be implementing. You guys are going to love it. It's going to be exciting. It's not going to be drama filled. We're out there doing smart deals, negotiated well that bring a great bottom line. Guys, catch up with you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.